Welcome to the Saluki Games Cast. My name is Justin Young. This is episode 37 for February 10th, 2023. Hey, <laughs> uh, Thank you, Ed McMahon. <laughs> Ed McMahon, special guest this week. He'll be popping in and out. I mean, I know he's he's, he's passed away, right? Ed McMahon died. I didn't even know who that was, honestly. I just really? made that sound because I was familiar with the sound. <laughs> you don't know who Ed McMahon is? No. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Sag. You're making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> we already I've established I'm younger than you, and I know who it is. <laughs> I've he, heard the name. He was Johnny Carson's sidekick. No. Oh. And the I way know he, who Johnny Carson is. So he basically played the role like Andy Richter did to Conan O'Brien. Oh, okay. He was Johnny Carson's sidekick on there. That's Ryan Frills that you're <laughs> you're hearing. Uh, also, Alicia Utech and OJ Duncan are here. So we actually have the whole crew back together again after Yay! a couple of weeks. Yay! We miss Mario, but it's good to have the original crew back together and everything. Um, how's everyone been doing? I'm doing all right. I'm very excited. I'm med- I'm getting my kitty this weekend. Aww. So my mom and my sister are driving halfway and meeting me somewhere outside of Iowa City. And we're just getting a hotel for the night, you know, hang out for the night. And I get to get my new kitty. So I've been manically cleaning my house to try and get it kitty ready. For him to come in and screw it all up. Right, right. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, you're manically cleaning it so he can come in and manically make it a mess again? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> have you went shopping for your kitten yet? I have. I have a cat tree for him. I have the cat carrier. I have, you know, all the, like, the litter box and all of that. I have, um, what else do I have? I have a brush for him. You know, I have, like, little nail clippers. Mm-hmm. Please send us pictures. <laughs> oh, you know I will. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm already obsessed with him. I've been crying for about a month over the fact that I only have three pictures of him from the rescue. <laughs> well, that'll be very exciting. And you, uh, what color is he? He is an orange kitty. Okay, I think named he... Faramir. Hmm. They will bring. The, it will be like he will bring you a lot of love, even when they annoy you. Um, <laughs> like I. I've got my kitty, and I'm still excited to see her. Like, it was, like, the day I just got her, and I've had her for, like, three years. So you, I, I'm happy for you that you get to experience this. Also, all orange cats share, like, one brain cell. So right? who cares for the derpiness? <laughs> I know. I've never had cats before. I've always had dogs. But one of my friends, when I told her I was getting a cat, and, you know, for me, it's an emotional support animal. And so she was like, you want a male cat because female cats tend to stay wary for longer all male cats are himbos. God. <laughs> they're they're just everyone. dumb little lovers. <laughs> well, I, I think I told you this last week off the air, but like once you get a male cat uh, neutered, yep. it, it's just like they lose the will to do anything <laughs> other than eat and sleep. And so they want to cuddle with you. And that's really all that they have interest in. Which is absolutely perfect for me. Because he just got neutered last week. So, <laughs> Though I will say my cat, who um, will be two uh, next month, um, that he's been neutered and he still very much gets into trouble. But he, he does spend a lot more time at two or almost at two sleeping. And so like mm. he crawls up into bed and just sleeps for most of the day. And if I ever sit down, he finds me and wants to like snuggle. Whereas my female cat, who's 
close to like 13, 14 years old, um, she's still much more independent. Now she does come at least mm-hmm. once a day and want to snuggle, but she throughout the day is much more independent going off on her own, doing her own thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of regret hearing the idea of male cats being himbos now. Because I just imagined us being flooded with fan art of Himbo Garfield and Beta Male, <laughs> John, and beta male John Arbuckle. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, rule 34, I'm sure it exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful what you ask for from the internet. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. I'm just like, shit, this is going to happen. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right. Well, uh, why don't we just jump right into what we've been playing? Because I feel like we have a lot to talk about. So, um, Ryan, why don't we start with you? What have you been playing? Okay. So, I'm not going to talk much about this because I actually haven't played it since. Um, but just again, I have been playing uh, Citizen Sleeper. Um, Again, since I already talked about it, because we first brought it up when we were like like voting on games and stuff, um, very be- like very awesome visual novel. Uh, it's not perfect. It's not my favorite game ever, but I think it's uh, like the begin. Like I f- it feels like a prototype for something cooler to happen later. But it's already like really interesting on its own right now. It's just it's a cyberpunk game where you are a robot with another person's consciousness in you uh, from a person that sold like their soul or their consciousness to a corporation to work for them because they were promised a good fi- future. And guess what? Under late super hyper late stage capitalism, they got screwed. So now they're escaping and they're on a satellite planet um, that was built and they're trying to kind of make their own living in life. Um, and you have to like roll dice and mitigate them to make decisions on what you do. I mean, you have to roll dice and use them and make decisions on what you do. And there's also mitigation because you also have, like, some stats that you build up that can affect the die rolls. Like, so, for example, if you're good at something, a five die can turn into a six for certain situations or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's got really beautiful character designs. I haven't played it much since we last talked about it. But uh, I just, I like cyberpunk stuff. I like that as a theme. Um, I like like the ideas that go along with it, and this game does a really beautiful job uh, implementing those. And I like the way that the characters and the way they talk about how the character processes the world around them and information. They're doing it like because it's a you know a, an android or cyborg, but there is it does feel relatable to neurodivergence. That's the rest I'll say about that though. Other than that, I finally have played uh, I've played a couple games, and I started a third one. And it didn't work out. <laughs> The first one was Super Smash Brothers uh, Ultimate. I never actually got to play that before because I, I mostly play single player games, and that's something I'm like I don't want to get that unless I play with friends. But like if um, one of our felt like fellow like podcasters who's been on here before, Carly, uh, me and her were hanging out and we played that one, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I I was kind of surprised by how well I fell back into it. Like I wasn't perfect. I was a little rusty, but despite the fact that it was, it's was, it been, like, maybe seven years since I played a Super Smash Brothers game, I felt, like, pretty comfortable getting back into it. Um, the weirdest part was I tried out Pac-Man, and as soon as I started trying to control him, I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> and then I did better with Pac-Man than I did anybody else, which was really weird because I hated how he controlled it first, and it still felt awkward throughout it, but somehow I I beat everybody else with three lives left. Mm. Um and I didn't do that with anybody else. The only other person I think I won with was Mario. 
Um, which was weird to me because Donkey Kong used to be my go-to, and I didn't do as well with Donkey Kong in this one. Um, well, they, do, they tweak them between yeah. games. I mean, they don't play exactly the same mm-hmm. from game to game. Oh, no, I know. I think I saw someone do, like, talk about, like, the differences between Melee and Brawl and mm-hmm. this. Right. And I want to try Donkey Kong again, but I didn't start off as good with him. But I have no idea how I did so well with Pac-Man, that creepy-looking creature. Because <laughs> um, we were talking about that pac we are talking about there's something about, like, I mean, some things look cute, like Kirby, right? But there's also some characters that just have their faces on their torsos and don't have heads <laughs> that just look really creepy, and Pac-Man is one of them. Um, Goombas. I don't know. They I, got shoes for legs. <laughs> I, I, <can't>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like that uh, that Pac-Land, Pac-Man design where Pac-Man has the sort of disembodied legs <laughs> and arms. and I, I like it. It's just I kind of like it from the same place as... I, I like the aesthetics of body horror and David Cronenberg films. <laughs> like, it's almost, I mean, it's not the same thing, obviously, but it's almost like coming from a similar place. Like, whenever I draw Pac-Man, because I sketch him sometimes, he always looks really creepy. I give him, like, realistic teeth, and I make him look really wrinkly, and sometimes I draw very muscular legs. That's on you. Don't yeah, blame Pac-Man don't. for that. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying the the cute cartoon version, the cute Quotation marks. Cartoon version of him is also creepy, but um, you are the you're the uh, art team from Sonic the Hedgehog movie who did the first draft me. of Sonic the Hedgehog. You caught me. I wanted my David Cronenberg horror hedgehog, and they took it away. But anyway, um, but I I really enjoyed the game overall. It was just weird that of all the ones I did best with, it was Pac Man. Like because I felt like his control felt so clunky to me. Like he felt the worst to control. But I somehow found a way through, and I almost want to play him again because I want to figure out how did I do that? <laughs> how did I somehow win with this thing? Because it it feels like on one hand I feel accomplished, on one hand it's like I don't know how I did that. I don't feel like I accomplished anything because it almost feels accidental. But right. Um, aside from that, though, the other game that I played that was a, I literally like finished it a minute before I got in here because I'm playing it on my Switch, and it, I think you can beat it in like about thirty minutes or less. Um, and I'm going to play the sequel to it in, after this. Is called milk inside a bag of milk inside a bag of milk inside a bag of milk. I think I said that the right number of times. <laughs> um, That's just a fantastic title. It is, and the sequel is milk outside a bag of milk outside a bag of milk outside a bag of milk. But it, so this is a little visual novel, um, and it it's not it doesn't like occupy the same place for me that say because I told I, everything we I've, I've told everybody that. Um, I don't talk about it as much as AI, the Somnium Files, but my deep down favorite visual novel that I've played and like one of my top three favorite games of all time is If Found. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of feels like it hits close to that in that it is using um, the visual novel to like in its own creative way tell a very important story about like marginalized identity and this though here it's focusing on neurodivergence. It doesn't specify what neurodivergence the person has. And at one point, it even breaks the fourth wall with the character talking to you and saying, I don't feel like talking about, you know, what's going on here. Um, But basically, all that's happening is you're a neurodivergent character that is very traumatized that is trying to go outside to buy a bag of milk to the store. That is all that is really happening here. But in the process... You don't know exactly what's going on. There's a conversation being had, and you're controlling one part of it, sort of controlling it. Um, sometimes you only have one option. Sometimes you have an option of two things, and you're not, you know, it, when I'm thinking of this trying in the framework of how I'd actually respond to somebody that's going through what they're going through, I'm not happy with either answer. 
Um, but I, I don't feel like that's kind of the point of it. Um, and you don't know if this conversation is happening with another person or if it's in their head. Um, if this is something going concerning dissociative identity where, you know, in dissociative identity you have alters, which those are what have been considered called the other personalities and such. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I understand, the respect of, like, this respectful language and compassionate language is alters. That's the language I hear people with DID use. Um, but I don't know if it's just them criticizing themselves because, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily, you know, because when I think of how I my anxiety works. I don't necessarily have another personality, but sometimes I have warring sides of myself. One that's like being anxious and trying to get through something. And another part of myself that's just like very critical. And like, why the hell did you do that? Like, or something like that. It's the, it's the two wolves inside of you. Yeah. (laughs) The two wolves, um, the two Waluigi's, if you will. Anyway. (laughs) Oh God. Um, anyway, why would you say something so controversial and yet so true? (laughs) Um, but, and, and it's just, you're going through this, and sometimes you have, like, a thing I can say that's compassionate. Sometimes I, I'm just not happy with either thing I'm going to say, but one of these sounds less worse than the other. Um, and I think that kind of relates to how sometimes it doesn't feel like there's a good thing to say in a situation, but you feel like you need to say something. Or sometimes, uh, if you're talking about, like, how you're self-critical, you can't think of a good thing to say about yourself in that situation. But... Um, Eventually, you know, the way I carried it out, I think it could have gone a couple different ways, but I did go out and get the bag of milk. And there is a part where it, the character breaks the fourth wall. I, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just funny. Like, I finally did go out and get the bag of milk. <laughs> like, this is the culmination of an entire game. So. And, like, and then they, like, break the fourth wall, and they just talk to me for a little bit. Like, and the idea is the character has consciously been, like, framing things as, doing things as a visual novel as a way to get themselves through the situation. I think it shows how, like, neurodivergence isn't just about being broken or something, because I think sometimes we think of it as something that needs to be fixed or healed. Sometimes it's just trying, it might even be the way we're trying to heal or help ourselves from trauma. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that, like, so for people with, like, disassociative identity, which is language itself I feel weird about using, there's a lot of language in neurodivergence that needs to be completely revamped, and I'm using what I have here. Um, But, like... And that, like, alters come as a way to help people with traumatic situations to work through them. I think a, really, a show that does a really good job with that is the show Moon Knight. Because, uh, mm-hmm. like, um, one of the personalities came into, or the alters came into that character when they were being traumatized by their mom, and that was a way to keep them safe and help them cope. But right. Yeah, the there's, point that, is, there's that really good scene near the end of the season where they kind of directly yeah. address that. Um, one of my favorite Marvel things, but... Um, and then, you know, they're, they're thanking you. Like, I think the reason I was able to get out and do this was because of you. But then there's also like a heartbreaking point in that. Um, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much because I feel like I already spoiled enough. I don't think spoilers really hurt this game that much because I think it's very much about the experience of going through it because mm-hmm. there's not like a big climax, so to speak. But um, I'm going to play the sequel soon. I'm considering playing the first one. And going through the other options, but the thing about that is, is I really suck at being mean in games. <laughs> like, I know that, like, I know, like, they're game characters, but there's that part of my mind that still feels terrible. Like, right? Um, like I, I think of like that scene in Hank Hill where he's playing a version of Grand Theft Auto, and he accidentally kills somebody. He's like, "Oh my God, how do I turn myself into the police?" <laughs> like in this game. Um, but it's I- a very you know, in 30 minutes, I think it's a game that 
people should get. Like, you can play it quickly, and it's a very powerful moving experience. Um, and, and it's really cool that games like that are a thing now. Yeah. Right? Like, like people are exploring what does it mean to to live with this experience? Right. What is this lived experience like? And that games are a way that you can experience that sort of in a, a first-person experience, right? and not first-person perspective, but like a first-person, like you are living it, you know, in a way that film and literature can't quite, you know, give that same experience. And so I, I think when you talk about a game like that, it's really cool to think about, right, the games I was playing as a kid, you know, Super Mario Brothers or even before that, Atari games, and to think that now games are like, hey, what's it like to be neurodivergent? Well, let's make a game that tries to explain to an audience what this experience is like. And maybe this is a better way to explain that than any TV show or, you know, book is. Maybe this is something that can actually, you know, as close as we can as human beings get to being in somebody else's shoes. And, you know, that that's just really cool. Even if it's not somebody's favorite game, it's really cool that that's right. out there getting made. Well, I Absolutely. also want to point, highlight, you said that the character literally says, like, I don't want to disclose what my specific neurodivergence is right like that in and of itself is huge and you know you think about neurodivergent characters that have been adopted by the neurodivergent community as neurodivergent or that are coded to be portrayed that way you know the two big ones from the last 20 years sheldon in big bang theory and abed in community and both of those shows the creators of the show talked about they refused to give an actual diagnosis because they didn't want to have to adhere to any real situation. So, like, Abed is typically coded and understood as an autistic character, but Dan Harmon refused to ever confirm that because if he was ever going to do something, he wanted him to have the possibility to do something that, quote-unquote, wasn't autistic whatever the heck that yeah. means. And, and so I really appreciate that they're like acknowledging like it's not just out there, oh, it's neurodivergent, but we're not going to say what it is, but actually claiming that as like the, I'm giving you the broad label intentionally. Right. And I and I think I, I appreciate what your point there because I think that, you know, highlights, you know, that, I mean, well, and your doesn't just highlight, you're getting at this, like um, that as far as, not stating what a neurodivergence is. There are good, great ways of doing that. Um, there are ways where a character like is definitely very identifiable in one way, but that leaves them open for multiple people to identify them. I think of Luz um, from The Owl House. I definitely read her as having ADHD. Um, they never say that directly, but I definitely read her that way and feel that way. And I think maybe like not stating in her case while also having a very consistent character leads multiple people to identify and feel represented within her. Um, and in a show that is very intentionally going at neurodivergence to the point that the creator said the third season is largely about neurodivergence as a theme. Um, and I think that, like, this is an example of being open about it because I could see identifying this character from the perspective of having OCD because there's, like, I see OCD, like, parts of being OCD in this. I also see parts of anxiety for sure and disassociative identity. Um, but then there's, like, that really lazy way, right, where it's like, I just don't want to feel beholden to anything, 
when I'm writing this character. And that, you know, and that doesn't, that's not compassionate towards neurodivergence. That's not trying to give them representation. That's not giving them a character with layers that can be read and understood with multiple ways or in a character with multiple possible intersections. That's just shitty writing. Um, right. And I think one of the keys in you describing this was that the character sort of, you know, looks out, breaks the fourth wall and says, hey, I'm not going to, you know, diagnose myself for right. you which is giving the character an amount of agency, mm -hmm. right? This isn't the creator. This is the character having that agency to say, it, I don't have to share with you, right? Like whatever I'm dealing with is not something I have to share with you. I don't have to like speak my truth to you, which is I, I think something that often in, um, in media gets overlooked because everybody has, you know, Characters are often there if they are, quote unquote, different or outside of the norm, right? They're there to make some sort of point. And to have a character who's just there saying, I'm living my life. Like, and the details of that life are none of your business, right? Is kind, is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I think this, this is something I think is interesting because, like, as a performance student, um, we concern ourselves with like the accessibility of a performance, but there can sometimes be a double edge to accessibility. And what I mean by that isn't, I don't mean don't make the stage, you know, stage accessible or those seats. What I mean about that is sometimes the amount of information the audience wants uh, the performer to get, give them um, in order to better understand it might not fully be at the consent of the performer. Cause I know something I, some of my performances in the past got like critiqued for, and I'm not saying I'm a great performer or anything. I, I don't think see myself that way. I'm thinking myself as more theoretical and stuff, but you know, like how people wanted sometimes more of like a direct insight into what was going on with my performance or how, cause I was using those to work through my own stuff. And it's like, I'm not beholden to make this super clear for you. I can just use this performance to work through my own stuff. Um, there, you know, there's a limit to how much I owe you. Like, and I don't owe you anything here, but so yeah, I I feel like I'm uh, spiraling here. But well, no, yeah. I, I mean, I think your point is that somebody's identity mm -hmm. is not owed to the outside audience, right? Yeah, and I think giving a character within a video game that sort of agency, right? Like, I feel like we're talking about neurodivergence here, but I feel like we talk about this probably more commonly about LGBTQ mm -hmm. characters, right? Like, well, what are you? Are, are you bisexual? Are you gay? Are you, well, I think with that's not your business to a large degree, mm -hmm. right? Like, and that character doesn't have to be able to keep that to themselves as part of a character's agency. And that's, that's cool to see that being represented. Right. And I'm curious to see how that's going to complicate further as we talk about like the intersection of neurodivergence and queer identity with like neuroqueer stuff. And, and sorry, Alicia, you were saying something. Oh, I was just saying too, like with characters and with performers as well. Mm -hmm. Like I was thinking, uh, was it the, the actor from Heartstopper who got pressured into coming out because mm -hmm. yeah. it's like, you know, like Ryan said that there's, you're allowed to have parts of your identity that you don't just spill out to everybody. That's been a problem for a long time in Hollywood with actors having to, you know, out themselves. And again, usually about LGBTQ uh, identity issues, but like in other ways as well, like 
this sort of pressure of, well, you know, the audience owns you. And it's like, well, no, they own maybe the performance, but not me, right? Like they can buy the DVD, but like that's a, that's a performance I did. That's not me as a, as a person, uh, as an artist. So and yeah. even then just as the audience, like as a participatory culture has their own relationship with that media that they can make something out of it. So does the performer themselves. They continue to relate and connect to their performance in a way nobody else um, has like power over. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it sounds like a cool, a cool game. I, I feel like I've heard about that before, maybe from you, but maybe I, I've heard about it outside, um, and it sounds like a cool little game to try out. So the YouTuber I, I commonly bring up, Super Eyepatch Wolf, he was doing like a list of like his favorite game, his favorite things that he did over like I think winter time, and this was this was one of the games that he'd played, and I'm I'm glad I listened to that recommendation. I think I got it on sale like in a like packed in with the sequel to it, so. And that is milk inside a bag of milk inside a bag of milk yes. inside a bag of milk, <laughs> etc. cetera. Um, all right, cool. Milk to the fourth degree. Uh, yeah, it should just be to the fourth power. <laughs> bag of milk to the fourth power. Uh, is that everything, Ryan? Yeah. Um, oh, I did try to start The Last of Us because I want to play the game before I watch the show. And um, I was about 15 minutes in. And I guess my controller's not working because I charged it for a while. It's like, oh, it's not charging. It's not charging. Oh. Like, so, like, I was, like, running away from zombies with the main character holding his daughter. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, as, you know, you need Alicia to should, come should over. Should have <laughs> let me come over and update your controller. <laughs> should have called me. You're, this is really on you. You have <laughs> you have a professional. You you <laughs> promised to get me like the signal, like the bat signal, but for you, and you know it's a controller instead of a bat. Um, Batman and you never provide the me. bat signal. Commissioner Gordon put that on the roof of the police station. I think if you need my help, you need to get a controller signal. <laughs> Batman's taxes paid for it. <laughs> I think you can just get into our like text conversation and just text like the. Controller emoji. <laughs> I think that'll do the same thing. Batman today just gets text from Commissioner Gordon. Hey, bat emoji. <laughs> oh, God, that will be in the new movie, won't it? I'll say at some point we're going to get something. We're going to get a Batman film that's like the League of Super Pets where they're just goofy and having fun and they're <laughs> they, going to do that. They did make a League of Super Pets movie, didn't they? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like oh. that, Or like the Teen Titans go to the movies <laughs> kind of fun. Now, I, I did see that. That's actually a good movie, but I never saw the League of Super Pets movie and I feel like did you see it, Alicia? Uh, I watched the CinemaSins video. <laughs> I, I feel like nobody. I feel like nobody watched that movie. Yeah. Like what a weird movie that just came out and nobody noticed. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would, I would love to see it well done, but the reality is, it didn't miss much. <laughs> you know how there's actors that you see a lot of, and then you kind of like you enjoy them for a while, but then you're like kind of fatigued. I kind of feel fatigued with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm. And I think Black Adams because of it. <laughs> like, I think I saw that movie and I'm like, I, I okay. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people had that Black Adam <laughs> reaction. Yeah. Um, Alicia, what have you been playing? It has been a very busy week for me. Again, we're not even at that time of the semester yet. <laughs> um, not, not yet. It's always that time of the semester, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been, so since the Nintendo Direct the other day, which I know we're talking about later, but 
that the preview for Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe sparked me back on that. So I have been playing a little bit of more Kirby in the Forgotten Land. I'm st- I'm at like ninety six percent completion. There's just a couple of those hidden waddledees that you know complete this battle with no damage mm-hmm. that I cannot get. <laughs> <laughs> so that has been my struggle. <laughs> has been trying to figure out. How the heck? And then the minute you take damage, you have to start all over. I'm just like, one of these days, one of these days I'm going to do it. Well, it's good to have like a long-term project. It's not yeah. like you don't have any other as you go through no. grad school and start a dissertating <laughs> soon. No, I don't have anything else that I'm supposed to be doing. What are you talking about? <laughs> um. All right. So is that it? That's really been it, you know, a little bit more running around doing raids in Pokemon Violet, mm-hmm. but nothing really significant from that. I haven't had a chance to, maybe next week I'll have time. I do, I do kind of want to start a monologue ch- or a monotype challenge, so. I'm sure with a new kitten, you'll have all sorts of free time to. <laughs> yeah, they won't disrupt games at all. No. Well, no. no, of course not. As you're setting playing a game, they're not going to be like climbing up your back and over your head and everything. As, oh. as they should be, though. Because, oh. you know, that's the that's the beauty of if I stream this on Twitch, then my online friends also get to see my kitty. So it's really a win-win if he's snuggly while I'm gaming. Oh, God, that reminds me when I was also tr- when I was trying to play the Last of Us, all of a sudden, like, as soon as I start that game, all of a sudden, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> um, and I guess I forgot to say, also, I've just been playing more Marvel Snap, and I finally got the Peter Parker Spider-Man card, so mm. I'm happy about that. Cool. Um, OJ, what have you been playing? I've been super busy this week, too. I've been running nonstop for probably the past seven days. Beating me up in uh, the parking lot. Yeah. I, I had to make up for lost time. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> had to it's hunt like, them down since they weren't here for two weeks. Yeah, it's like OJ's like I don't have to play Streets of Rage. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Street of Rage. <laughs> I am the Rage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or I'm OJ the Street, and I'm full of rage. Well, we'll see what the other. Rage inside uh, a street inside a. <laughs> <laughs> but are you raging against which machine? Are you raging against? Is it All the PS Five? Is it the <laughs> Xbox. Rage inside a street of rage inside a street of rage. (laughs) Raging against the TurboGrafx-16. (laughs) Best console ever. That's a a good console to rage against. Uh, Bonk's Adventure, I guess. Was that TurboGrafx? Yeah. Yeah, Bonk's Adventure. Um, I wanted to play that so bad. And I finally did at one point, and I was like, oh. (laughs) This is a game. (laughs) <laughs> it's more disappointing than you hope it yeah. will be. And then the um, the shooter that they did, Air Zonk, mm-hmm. um, is actually pretty good. Uh, the Bonk games are they're fine, but like they really do kind of fall into that milieu of like sixteen bit platformers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember. Uh, we were pretty poor when I was growing up, and I didn't get to buy most systems, but sometimes we would have some money, and we could rent one. Mm-hmm. And I rented it from People's Choice in Zion, Illinois, uh, and it, they're a pretty awesome rental store. I don't know if they still exist or not. I don't. Most of them don't. But uh, so we rented a, a TurboGrafx-16 and Bonk's Adventure, and so I spent money 
just sit there and just play. I mean, I, I didn't spend as much as buying it, but I was sitting there like, oh, this is horrible. Like, <laughs> uh, I had some of those tiger game handheld game things that were yeah. more fun than box adventure. Oh, so that <laughs> don't, don't sugarcoat it. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> and I don't know if I'd go that far, but, uh, well, that's, that's how I felt at the time. I, but so, uh, uh, but I've been I've been really super busy and I haven't had a lot of the chance to play stuff. Uh, so I've been just playing little bits of games on my phone uh, in between like meetings and stuff. Uh, I I made it to the quote unquote end of Vampire Survivor, so I saw the credits. Uh-huh. Uh I mean there may be more credits than I saw because there just keeps on more stuff just keeps on opening up. Um, but I was a little mad because I was playing a lot uh, and like like trying to unlock characters and do all of the unlocks. Mm-hmm. And there was something that I unlocked and I couldn't find it. And I was wondering what it was. I can't, I can't remember the exact name, but it was a new level and I couldn't find it. And I was, uh, and I knew it unlocked, but I wasn't searching for it super hard, but I kept on like going through and getting level 80 with characters and doing all kinds of other stuff in the later levels. And then I realized uh, after looking it up because there was stuff that was supposed to be unlocked and I couldn't find it, that it was before the first level yep. is when it showed up. Uh, so I had been playing probably four days trying to figure out what I was supposed to do to get oh to my this, gosh. but I just never scrolled up to before the first level. I, I, and I, I'm sure I scrolled past it because I was like, oh, first level, I'll scroll past it. Um, I feel it, like we've all had game moments like this before. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't take me four days, uh-huh. but there was a delay before I found <laughs> it. And I, because I, I actually had to look it up. And then, because I was I was really trying to not look up anything because I knew a lot of things unlocked, and it was like, oh, here's this, this, and this, and this is you have to type this in the in the screen or on the the first screen. And I was like, what? How do you type? Like I I'm on a phone. I can't just pull up the keyboard. And because I was thinking just like it was like a cheat code, like on the front screen you would type something in your keyboard. I was like, well, why'd they leave this in the phone one if I like if I can't do it? <laughs> uh, but then. Then I looked it up and found out that you have to unlock the ability to do that, and it was through that level. Um, so I got past that, and that was good. I got, saw fireworks, which was pretty pretty sweet. Um, and then, so more stuff unlocked and more secrets opened up because of that. So I have a lot more to go on. I thought I was close to the end, and then, bam, everything opened up again. Yeah, that game does that to you multiple <laughs> times, which is why when people, I tell them to play that game, and they're like, yeah, this is kind of fun and everything. It mm-hmm. seems interesting. And they're like, but I, I'm, I'm just blowing through this. This isn't mm-hmm. going to be much. I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like, it's an, it's an onion. It like, yeah. keeps revealing new layers uh-huh. to it's it. It's like ogres. Yes, it is very much like Shrek. <laughs> Vampire Survivors is the Shrek of video games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God, please let there be like now like a Shrek expansion or like a Shrek version of... <laughs> but when do we get holding out for a hero? <laughs> oh, well. well it can be like a rhythm game, too. <laughs> <laughs> they will probably add a rhythm component. They're, they're still updating that game. They're still mm-hmm. adding new things, mm-hmm. like... Even, you know, into the new year, well past 1.0, they're still adding new stuff into that. I just saw a patch that said they had added some new stuff, and I was like, what? Like, I am never going to be done playing this game at this rate. <laughs> and, I, and I've done every single achievement, and, but they just keep adding more. Just on a random note, I just want to say I did see Puss in Boots' Last Wish, and it, it's the greatest Shrek thing I've seen since Shrek 2. 
and I prefer it over Shrek 1. So. I was going to say, I saw a lot of people talking about how it was unironically amazing. Oh, yeah, I, I've seen a lot about it. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to go see it. It, but <laughs> it, they obviously, like animation-wise, it obviously takes a lot of notes from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Um, I mean, and I, I don't know if I put it on par with that per se, but it's 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 really pretty and it's really good. And like, Puss actually has like a very awesome like character arc in it. Um, the villains are awesome. I I love. I've their heard t- a lot about the big bad wolf. Oh my god! And he is freaking scary and i i am not familiar enough with the dark soul games to say this but i was listening to like let's fight a boss podcast and they are familiar with those games and they said that in the way they did his character and his fight with puss and boots they were taking a lot of notes from the dark souls games <laughs> which oh, is neat that's cool yeah. um and oh my god goldilocks and the three bears being like a group of outlaws mm. and um yeah i mean so I, I had a student uh today in class talking about that that's her plans for this weekend instead of the Super Bowl. She's going to go see Puss in Boots. And, <laughs> I love um, that. I'm like, yeah, that movie, everything I hear about is it's fantastic. And it, it's kind of fun to see a movie that kind of underperformed its first week and find that audience and, like, continue to be successful. Um, it's really cool. It was a good year for some animated movies cause, like, I, because I really loved uh, Turning Red. And then sure. still two other big animated movies happened that I like even more. Uh, mm-hmm. the, being this and uh, the Del Toro's Pinocchio. Yeah. So, uh, OJ, uh, anything else? Um, yeah, so I've, I've been also playing Pokemon Go. Um, again, I kind of went into a lull for a little bit and coming back. Um, there was the event with uh, Team Rocket Go, and so I beat up Giovanni again. Nice. Uh, got a Shadow uh, Reggie Steel, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. Reggie Steel. Uh, which was not very good, unfortunately. But uh, I was able. So in Pokemon Go, um, when with when you beat Team Rocket, you can catch one of their Pokemon, and they're Shadow Pokemon, so they're kind of being tortured, uh, and it raises their attack quite a bit. And you can purify them if you want to, and it raises their defense and hit points a lot, right? Uh, but then their attack usually drops. The Shadow ones are very much stronger than the other ones. Uh, so and the this boss battle was Registeel, but the one previous was a Shadow Mewtwo, and uh, only during this event, um, they, their charge move is Frustration, and you can't get rid of it except during these events. Uh, and I forgot to do it for my uh, Mewtwo last time, but I finally got to do it this one. So now I have a, a Mewtwo with uh, Psy Strike, and I'm also going to have Shadow Ball once I get enough Stardust. So is Shadow nice. Mewtwo like Mewtwo cosplaying a Shadow the Hedgehog? <laughs> so cool. Pretty much. He has he, a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Ash tries to punch Mewtwo, and Mewtwo just, like, shoots him. Like, oh, man. Uh, essentially, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, Shadow Mewtwo is... Uh, pr- uh, like, everyone has different strengths and weaknesses, but overall, Shadow Mewtwo is pretty much the strongest that you can get. Um, so now I can finally use mine because I got rid of Frustration. And uh, and then there's an, another event that happened where it was counting how many gifts people sent across the world, and then we hit the target um, worldwide for gifts sent. Um, and so right now there's extra candy for transfers and extra XL candy so once a Pokemon hits level uh, forty to level them above that, you need XL candy rather than the regular re- rather than the regular one, um, and so you're getting extra that for transferring as well. Um, 
and then there's an, uh, I can't remember what the other event is right now, but uh, they they just have so much going on now in Pokemon Go that it's it's really they're keeping it interesting. Which is the first time I stopped playing is because it was kind of slowing down and oh, there's a new raid every now and then. But you know, there there's a lot of stuff going on right now that's very very exciting. So I'm glad to be back. It's really cool to hear because you know we've talked before off air and on mm-hmm. this podcast about how cool Pokemon Go was that first mm-hmm. year when yep. everybody got really into it and you know yeah. you just mm-hmm. saw so much and you would see people just out wandering around you're like those people are playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to see that it still has a strong community and that they're still like supporting that community is is really cool cuz mm-hmm. you know and I think one of the things they've shown um, it's sometimes easy to dismiss something new like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like Vampire Survivors, like mm-hmm. you see some new game format and you go, oh, well, that's so easy. That's so simplistic. Anyone can do that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, lots of people have tried to copy Vampire Survivors, mm-hmm. you know, not very successfully. Mm-hmm. Some of them a, few, uh, a bit successfully. And then Pokemon Go, you know, we had the Harry Potter one and we had all these other versions trying mm-hmm. to do this and none of them have been nearly as successful. Yeah, the Harry Potter one was rough. It's closed down. Like, they closed down. Which is kind of crazy to think that, you know, as big as Harry Potter is, we'll we'll be talking about that in the news, as big as Harry Potter is, that it would shut down. Yeah. That there wasn't a dedicated enough audience. And that says Mm -hmm. more about the game, I think, than Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. And Jurassic Park doesn't have the audience that Harry Potter did, and it's still going. There's a Jurassic Park one? Yeah. There's a Pikmin one, too. I knew the Pikmin one. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about the Jurassic Park one. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 weird, but it, it was okay. I played it a little I'm bit. Kind of surprised there isn't a Digimon <laughs> one yet. Unless there is, might <laughs> there might be. <laughs> there might yeah. be. It could be um, uh, a Japan only release yeah. too. So who knows? And, well, uh, and you brought up anyone can do this uh, from a player perspective. Yeah, anyone can mm-hmm. play Pokemon Go. You know, you don't have yeah. to. You don't yeah. have to be a. You don't have to think of yourself as a gamer to play Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, my my nephew and his four year old daughter both play. Um, Right. And I uh, that really confused me yeah. at first when you said my nephew, and I was thinking of like a little kid, and then so, he, and his four year old daughter. And I was like, so the twelve year old and his four year old daughter. <laughs> yeah. So my um, I have two brothers. One is six years older than me, and then the other is six years older than him. We were really far spread out. Sure. So my brother was fourteen already when I or twelve, thir- thirteen, six and seven. Oh, um, seven. Plus, like, there's a there's a gap in between that age too. So, like, yeah. um, and uh, like, I he was out of the house by the time I even like remembered really anything. Right. Um, and so I was in second grade when I became an uncle. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I may have told this before, but I went to elementary school with a guy, and at some point, his niece started going to school with us. <laughs> And he was, yeah. there was that much of a difference that his niece was the same age as him. <laughs> yeah, so. and uh, yeah. so my mom had 12 brothers and sisters, and my mom was the second oldest, and she was the first to have a kid. Uh, and so my oldest brother is a year older than one of our uncles, too, uh, because huh. there was such that gap. It was really a lot of, a lot of kids happening there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, with, so with Pokemon Go, too, like during the pandemic... They did a lot of things to help people within the pandemic. So the the area right. where you could spin stops and see Pokemon, like have them spawn, like got bigger. 
Yeah. Right? Um, so you didn't have and to like, go into it. that was badly needed. Yeah. And then they, they ended up keeping it afterwards because they, they shrunk it again. And then, and then people, everyone was like, was why? Outcry, right. <laughs> um, and so they made it so the raids at the gyms, you could do them remotely. <clears throat> so um, you could invite your friends from anywhere and they could come to the raids. But then people were just staying home and doing that and not actually going out and doing what what, the, what Pokemon Go wanted. So now they have made it so that certain raids, now you have to be in person again. Um, and there are special raids for really special Pokemon, so to bring people out again. And we've seen a lot more people coming out and doing them um, as well. And um, and so they really they adapted to that, and then now coming out of it, they're like, hey, get out there and do it again. And one of them is the Adventure Incense. So everyone has this once a day, um, and it's a 15-minute incense, and you have to be walking. If you're not walking, nothing spawns. Oh. Um, but then if you are walking for that 15 minutes and you have a, a chance to get Pokemon that don't normally spawn there and a very small chance to get a certain subsection of the legendary birds, the Galarian, I think they are, or oh, yeah. Cohen, maybe. The, no, the Galarian. Galarian? Okay. Yeah, the Galarian version of the bird, the legendary birds, the only way you can get it is through the adventure incense. So actually Mario and me have started, um, I was doing it for a while and then prelims came and I stopped. Um, but we're we're starting it again every day doing the 15-minute walk just to do that adventure incense. How'd you get it? So it's got me out doing stuff again. That's why I started playing again at, um, mostly is to do that. So, Yeah, that's, that's great. That's, like, that's yeah. just really cool. I yeah. mean. Uh, yeah, they're really trying to keep it original and keep on getting adding stuff for people to get out there. Right. All right. Uh, is that all? Yep. Okay, um, I played a few different things, none of them for a, a ton of time just because I haven't had the time. Um, we'll talk about this with the Nintendo Direct, but they released a Game Boy emulation on Nintendo Switch Online, so I did check that out a little bit, and um, I can talk about that more when we get down to the Nintendo Direct, uh, kind of how that works and everything. Um, one of the things that I did play was... WBSC eBaseball Power Pros on the Switch, um, which I played because since I can't remember the name, the full name of it, other than Power Pro Baseball. Um, and That's the one we were all on the edge of our seats waiting for, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, so it's only a dollar. Um, this is a long-running baseball franchise in Japan uh, that has rarely gotten ported to the U.S. It has a few times here and there. Um, and they are kind of making a big push, and so they marked it down to a dollar, and it's a lot of geared towards online play, so when you first boot it up, one of the things it does is make you go through this character creation and setting, like, your region and where you're located and all this stuff, so it very much is uh, online-focused, but you can play it in a single-player mode, and it's a fun little kind of old-style action baseball game. Um, it's a little hard to find the one-player mode at first. At first, I was like, is there a single-player mode? I think there is. <laughs> this is how people have been showing it. Um, but uh, once I got into playing and everything, it's it's pretty fun. And I, I don't know that it's something I'm going to play a whole lot of, but for a dollar, if you're just looking for uh, a more action-oriented baseball game, a more arcade-style, let's say, baseball game, this isn't a sim like the show. Um, then it's a cute little game and everything. And, you know, I hit a grand slam in my first game. So that kind of <laughs> tells you the level of like 
depth that's in this game. Mm -hmm. It's very much for you to pick up and have fun immediately. So that was pretty cool. Uh, the big thing that I played this week also came out that Nintendo Direct and they shadow dropped a Metroid Prime Remastered. So this is the original GameCube game with completely updated new graphics. Or I guess I shouldn't say completely new, but certainly better quality graphics, better quality effects in the game. It's been changed to 16 by 9. They have added uh, dual analog support. Mm -hmm. So the original game did not have dual analog support. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and this is... This looks really, really good. Uh, there's a bit of it that when you first look at it, like, particularly if you look at it in screenshots and everything, your reaction might be, oh, yeah, that's what the original looked like. And then if you watch a comparison video of them side by side, you're like, no, that's not <laughs> what yeah. this looks a lot different. And I think once you start playing it, it's even more clear. Like, oh, no, this is a big upgrade to that original game. Uh, the dual analog support works really well with it. Um, so you can kind of look around freely as you're going through the game. And that game is still, I, I think it was last week I talked about GoldenEye 007 and how when you got to the end of GoldenEye 007, you just thought, they're going to make every game like this. This game is going to be so influential. And then it didn't happen as much as you thought it would or as much as I thought it would. And uh, I feel the same way with this game. When this game came out, it was so far ahead of any other game of its type at that point. Mm -hmm. And you kind of looked at it and thought, well, they're gonna every game's going to copy this. Every game that every first person shooter is mm -hmm. going to just steal things whole cloth from this game. And then that didn't happen as much as I mm -hmm. expected it to. Mm -hmm. And going back to it is still mm -hmm. going you know, I, I've played I don't know I don't think I ever played Metroid Prime three, but I played the first two. And part two is just not nearly as good as part mm -hmm. one. And then, you know, reviews I read at the time said part three also does not hold up to part one. That original Metroid Prime is, you know, legitimately on a list of the best games ever made. Mm -hmm. It's so good and it holds up so well. And going back and playing it, you know, it holds up certainly much better than GoldenEye does. Mm -hmm. GoldenEye shows its age, and they didn't do any work, basically, on that. <laughs> Whereas this, they actually did go back and do the work, and um, and the changes that they've made have been very smart. And if you've never played, a, if you never played Metroid Prime, this is the one to get. This is the version to get. This is the way to play it now. Um, and, you know, it is, they're selling it discounted. It's $40 versus a full $60 oh, game. Oh, nice. <laughs> And if you want to play this game and have never played it, this is the way to play it. And it will hold up to any game being released today. Like All if this right. game was released as a brand new game here today, it would already be people talking about, oh, this is on my game of the year list. Mm. Um, wow. And I think it just holds up that well. And, you know, that was a very smartly designed game for its time. And, um, it's still just a, a blast to play, and it still very much captures the first time playing Metroid. I rented it in a store, and I didn't know anything about Metroid. And, of course, you get the, like, half-copied, photocopied uh, instruction manual, and you're like, I, I don't yeah. really know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and 
I remember it just feeling, you know, that feeling, I think Supermetry captures this well, that feeling of isolation, that feeling of I'm in this alien world and I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing and just kind of, you know, stumbling your way through it. And this game recaptures that extremely well, but it does it in 3D, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're into this alien world and you're wandering through it. And every time you walk through a door, you have no idea what's on the other side of that door. And it's always kind of a pleasant surprise of, oh, wow, this is cool. (laughs) This is something new to see and worthwhile exploring. And, um, you know, that's that Nintendo magic and retro studios, the studio that actually made it. But, you know, they were making this working with Miyamoto and working closely with Nintendo. And Miyamoto was working, like, hand-in-hand with Tommy Tallarico. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Tommy Tallarico, who said he worked on this game, which, you know, he did nothing on this game. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that, that insane H-Bomber guy video. You just watch that video all about Tommy Tallarico. Tommy Tallarico is a human being who exists. That was, like, just a great true crime documentary is what it felt like. Right. I mean, I know he's not, like, a serious criminal, but that's what it felt like. Yeah, no, it does, just the presentation of it. But, uh, yeah, this game is just, it's still an amazing game. It's still worth playing. Um, And I I think at $40, this is the right price for this level of remaster. And, um, you know, there are other ways to play this game through emulation and everything, but if you want this updated version, it's a really good updated version. I'll I'll take a crack at it. Ooh. And also, Tommy Tallarico, please send your angry email to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I never played this one, actually. I, th- I played, I think it was 2 on the Wii, maybe? Yeah. Metroid yeah. Prime 2 on the Wii. Um, and I liked it well enough, And but hearing this, I'm really glad. I'm really excited to play it. Yeah, it's one of those many great games mm-hmm. that I... It, kind of embarrassed to say I passed it up on <laughs> like well I mean I yeah there's games that we all miss along the way mm-hmm. and yeah. uh I think two is also a very good game I for me two lacked some of the like cohesion mm-hmm. one feels more like every element works perfectly together mm-hmm. where two right. felt a little bit more unwieldy mm-hmm. with that but two still uh, you know I I say that it's not as good of a game mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's a bad game. Right, right. Metroid Prime yeah. 2 is still a very good game. Uh, but this one is an all-time classic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Metroid Prime Remastered, uh, still worth playing. Um, let's move over to news. And the big news of this week is that we had a Nintendo Direct. And a whole lot of things came out of that. Not a whole lot of big first-party new announcements, things that we didn't know previously, but they did show off a lot of third-party games and everything, so there is quite a bit here to kind of talk about. Uh, they gave us a new Pikmin 4 trailer, uh, this <laughs> one that better shows the actual gameplay of the game and introduces us to the Pikmin dog. Um, yes, the, the doggo, the ice Pikmin are so chonky and I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I love the doggo. I am so excited. That should have been the name, not Pikmin 4, Chonky Pikmin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is one of those games. I, I never played any of the first three, but my all-time favorite YouTuber is a Let's Player called Roam Mithril. And his Pikmin 1 run is my go-to when I'm having really bad mental health. It's just so calming. It's so perfect. 
it's not, oh, I mean, I know when you're playing it and you're on that timer, it's overwhelming, but watching him play it, <laughs> it's not overwhelming at all. And so I am super excited to be able to actually play Pikmin 4. Yeah, when they show the dog jump into the water and the Pikmin all climb on its back and it takes them across the water, I was just like, okay, that's you're going to win over a lot of people with just that shot right there. That's oh, yeah. very charming and clever. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised to hear myself say this because I've never honestly been into Pikmin. Um, and I think I've, I have tried to play it and I just couldn't get into it. And I'm kind of curious to give this one a shot. They uh, showed off a new Samba de Amigo game, Samba de Amigo Party Central. This will use the... Uh, the uh, Joy-Cons in place of Maracas. Um, (laughs) So the original Somebody to Amigo, you could actually buy a pair of Maracas to play the game with. (laughs) So amazing. That's kind of sad. I I hope somebody will release a pair of Maracas to play with this. But just the fact that they're making a new Somebody Amigo game is really cool. Um, Somebody Amigo comes kind of from that old Sega uh, sort of the Dreamcast era of Sega, where S- Sega just made bizarre stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the Sega <laughs> I love. That's the Sega I think of. That's the Sega that made a fishing game mm-hmm. and created a fishing rod controller. Exactly. And like made Big the Cat so they could mm-hmm. sell that. <laughs> right. So, you know, that's the sort of stuff that I just love about video games is when people get weird and Big AAA publishers don't get weird anymore. And so I love it when they go back and are like, hey, remember when we did this? Remember how weird that was? <laughs> there's been enough time now that you all buy this without thinking, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's always the hope that their next project is, well, we'll just make a new Seaman game because, you know, it's been enough time and it's weird enough people will just <laughs> buy it. So uh, that's the one with like the talking fish dude, isn't it? <clears throat> yep. Uh, you could do it and cast Jason Alexanderism. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy did the voice last time. <laughs> Go for a different feel here. <laughs> um, so they also showed off a new trailer for Dead Cells: Return to Castlevania. This is the DLC for Dead Cells mm-hmm. that um, it has you know they showed off uh, Alucard and Richter Belmont as part of this. Um, Dead Cells is a fantastic mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Put like this is like you put peanut butter in my chocolate. Like, <laughs> you're taking a great concept and put in another, and I'm yeah. extremely excited for this. Me too. Me too. I am. I am ready. This reminds me of the um, uh, what is that game? Uh, um, Crypt of the Necro Dancer. And they made the Zelda version of it where they just took Zelda and put <laughs> Zelda and Crypt of the Necrodancer. And that's what this reminds me of. And, I love that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Konami, to their credit, right, which is not something we can say very often. <laughs> Shots fired. You know, with their announcements last fall for uh, Silent Hill, it's like Konami's just getting weird with their properties. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing this with Castlevania. And if this is the future of Castlevania, like, we're going to take Castlevania and have different publishers who make cool games mm-hmm. do cool stuff with Castlevania. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Like mm-hmm. that would be fantastic. And you know, watching just the short trailer of this, I kept thinking, just let the Dead Cells guys make a whole Castlevania game. Uh huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It, it's such a fantastic game. And if you're not familiar, Dead Cells is a it's a Metroidvania game, but it's also roguelike. So the levels change every time you're going through it. Uh, and so there's a there's a, a specific way that you can go through 
And there are, there's multiple paths that you can go through. Um, but the levels are different every time. And then you're collecting weapons that you can start off with later and stuff like that. So it's really, it's, it's so fantastic. It's a great game. Yeah. yeah. I, I've never played Dead Cells. Just roguelikes aren't mm -hmm. generally my cup of tea. But mm -hmm. I wish I liked them because this just looks <laughs> so fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to watch other people play it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they showed off a trailer. I, I guess this had been previously announced, but I don't think a lot had been shown of it. For Tron Identity? I had not heard of it being announced before. Okay. And I love Tron. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, um, I immediately actually did not think of you. I immediately thought of Ryan because this very much looks like a, a visual novel. There looks like there's some puzzles in it, but like a lot of how you're interacting with this is a visual novel style with like choosing, uh, you know, dialogue and that sort of thing. Which is what I like with longer ones. Like with like with shorter ones, like you found um, and, you know, milk inside a bag of milk inside it. You get it. Um, <laughs> Like, I'm fine with mostly, like, text selection, but, like, when I have a longer one, I want something else going on along with it. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm curious about this. Um, and, like, as long as, like, Jared, will stay, Jared Leto stays out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's just surprising to get something new with Tron, and, and certainly this, like, story-driven Tron material, right? Versus, yeah. like, we're going to get a small light cycle game. I could see that happening, mm. but... I, <laughs> I will say I'm kind of sad that we don't have, like, a, you know, do lights, ride the light cycle, do the disc fights. Like, mm -hmm. I, I would kind of want more of that than a visual novel for Tron. Right. Mm -hmm. But it also, might. I'm just really excited because it's new Tron content. <laughs> I mean, if there's new con Tron content, well, I think there's more hope for those then. And two, exactly. They... Who knows? Maybe, like, some of that will show up in it. Like, I don't know, but... Well, I mean, we are getting a bit of a Tronizance right now. So mm -hmm. we're getting <laughs> a third Tron film is in the works. Yeah, they've been saying that for eight years. Well, they they apparently have moved ahead at this point, so... I'll believe they, it when I see it. <laughs> I, they have this film, they have this game, they have the new ride finally opening at Disney World. They need to get rid of Jared Leto. <laughs> so I don't like that man. I mean, it seems like they're trying to do a lot with Tron for the first time in a long time, right? So yeah. hopefully this, there's some success. Cause Fingers crossed. That it's last Tron movie has an amazing soundtrack. <laughs> Daft Punk is phenomenal in that movie. <laughs> so I, I've never been really connected to Tron, but I actually made a lot of money off of it. <laughs> because, so, okay. Capitalist. Uh, <laughs> not not a lot, like I didn't make millions, but I made money off of it because guys, I created so, Tron. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and been in post-its too. But, he worked with so, Tommy Tallarico. <laughs> so uh, when I was in Second Life, um, I was going to an '80s themed party, and I wanted to do Tron. But all of the outfits that people had made were like too updated version of Tron. Oh yeah, I wanted like an old original Tron. So I I made one with my very poor art skills. <laughs> and transferred it into Second Life, right? But everybody was looking for a really poor one that matched the movies rather than, like, these updated yeah. ones. 
And some, uh, like five people were like, hey, give it to me. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'll sell it. And I was selling it just for like 10 Lindens, but I sold like tens of thousands of them. Oh my gosh. Um, and it was, it was just, it was really, really low quality, but that's what people were looking for with Tron. I, why I am just, I just now learning that you did this? <laughs> I did a lot of stuff in Second Life. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious too, because the, the, the lower quality is what we're looking, because the original Tron was at the time the most expensive movie ever made. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and, and like really like, cutting edge, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> breaking special <laughs> effects barriers right. and everything. So and now we're like lower quality. Yeah. Though <laughs> so, I mean, when you go back and you watch that yeah. film now, mm -hmm. it, oh yeah, it is very, it is very dated. That is one yeah. thing that the, the two things that Tron Legacy did right: the music and the visuals. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and so people, the ones that had been made that were already existing before I did it were like actual like phys it looked like a bigger outfit than it was not just like the bodysuit type thing yeah so I just made that really low like bodysuit with the lines on it and that was it and people loved it that's awesome yeah. really weird asking this but so is the first Tron movie good yes okay <laughs> I just I, just I think just, it, I just think, rolled his eyes <laughs> like, I think if you watch it knowing when it was made yeah uh -huh. I, oh, I'm fine with like making like you know about like you know it's not phenomenal but it's good yeah. I. I think Tron has always been more style over substance. And mm -hmm. so I think Tron is, if you go in with that expectation that this is just like a cool for, you know, early, what, 1981 or so for that film. Yeah. Um, like this is sort of, you know, our first foray in, uh, in, broad entertainment of like tackling this whole idea of like, what if you could go inside your computer and, you know, and what if you just made it look really cool and everything's sort of like neon and glowing. And I think that helps. Right. And then the second film is all style over substance. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you can go into that going, there are amazing visuals and there's an amazing soundtrack and nothing else matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you have a good time. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, I think people who go back and are looking for another Star Wars are sorely disappointed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by it, 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 oh, I don't watch it expecting. It's Star not Wars. that. Yeah, it's not Star Wars. It's not the Godfather. You know, it, but it's it's a fun. <laughs> it's not the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a fun couple of movies. I, I'm not laughing because, like, of course, it's not the quality of the Godfather. I just think I just like that random comparison. <laughs> it's well, Godfather Three. Go <laughs> Because <laughs> well, I was like part one and part two, where both are phenomenal, yeah. and it's it's not, but Tron, it's good. Tron is the Godfather three of video game movies. <laughs> Godfather two, Pacino Boogaloo. <laughs> um, they are doing a uh, a remaster remake of Ghost Trick. Um, so. That's pretty cool. Um, they showed off a game called Deca Police, which is a very sort of anime uh, investigative game, which looked pretty neat from I'm the trailer. Curious about this one because I do like the detective theme. Like I have fun with that. At the same time, I you know like I don't necessarily know if I could, but like one of my issues with like the AI of the Somnium Files, as much as a part of me loves those games, is like those games do a really bad job of exploring police corruption. Like it exists in those games, but like at sometimes it's just like taken as a good thing that happens. Like, Oh, it's a good thing. We didn't follow the rules. This really helped you to investigate. Like, um, <laughs> yes. Uh, police corruption isn't necessarily a good thing. <laughs> so, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, 
But, like, if you go back and you watch, like, Lethal Weapon stuff, right? Like, that's the whole premise of those is that we don't yeah. play by the rules. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I, I wonder if that's a cultural thing yeah. with these things coming out of Japan, mm-hmm. if there's just not the overriding culture like we have in the U.S. with the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and no. everything. So they might still be playing on those old rules like and we did. I take that into consideration, and I don't know, I don't have a strong understanding of, like, that's one of the things I want to learn more about is, like, how the police force works in Japan and stuff. And yeah. I know there's problems, but I don't know, like, compared to us. Yeah, and I should say, I, I have no idea either. Yeah. So uh, they showed off Bayonetta Origins, uh, Carriza and the Lost Demon. So they had shown off this last fall, but this was a much more expanded mm-hmm. trailer. OJ, I know you're a big Bayonetta fan. How are you feeling about this? So I wasn't able to watch a Nintendo Direct, so I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's not but a real fan, then. I know. <laughs> you could beat me up in the parking lot this time. Uh, but <laughs> oh, now I'm nervous. <laughs> it's a trick. <laughs> I was like, you heard the um, this time there, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> but I'm very excited to see that it's coming out. Yeah. Uh, I'll be watching it soon. It has a very cool style to it. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of Bayonetta fans aren't happy because mm-hmm. it's not the Bayonetta style gameplay, yeah. but it's got a cool look to it. I, you know, I, I I could see somebody looking at this game and going, well, why is Bayonetta slapped on there? Is that you were just making a different game and let's put <laughs> Bayonetta in it because mm-hmm. we'll sell more copies that way. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine, though, to explore different gameplay styles with, like, a character in a franchise nobody's like why did we do mario kart that's not that's not the platformer game i know <laughs> I, I, I agree but yeah I know. bayonetta fans i can see also being upset <laughs> well yeah because I'm, I'm i'm interested to see this i wish i'd seen i wish i'd watched it before I, I came in so i could talk about it more but like i remember we were talking before about bayonetta maybe is younger yeah she's yes. she's probably like 12 tw- yes yeah, like that now i remember but I guess I had a little bit of something in my head. Yeah, it, I. That's gonna seem weird to me. Yeah, when I see it. Like I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to watch it. I'll. I'll report next week on how I feel about it. Especially because Bayonetta is a character so sexualized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is like if we made a prequel about Jessica Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Like, how God. do you? <laughs> right. You're not wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, right. why would you say something so controversial and yet so true? <laughs> so uncomfortable. I mean, you it's, take a character yeah. who's so sexualized, and uh-huh. they're like, "Well, I'm let's." Not bad. I'm just drawn that way. That's a great line, though. <laughs> like, let's look at them as a little kid, and there's, like, I, I don't think the point is to sexualize them as a kid, but right. there but is it's that a character that you generally. Mm-hmm don't want to think about as a child because yeah, you right. see them as an adult, very sexualized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is kind of weird. So yeah, yeah. that'll be interesting to see. So yeah, when, when I, I'll, I'll, I'll give a report next weekend when I watch it. Okay. Uh, they showed off a new trailer for Disney illusion Island. This is the uh, four player co-op Disney game. I don't know. They've shown before that it was fully co-op uh, with four players. Uh, this looks very much like the Rayman Origins games, um, and it's done in the sort of new Mickey Mouse style. So mm-hmm. you play as Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck, and Goofy, and they're done in that new style from the new uh, animated cartoons and everything, which mm-hmm. uh, shout out to um, my old high school buddy, Susanna, who actually works on those cartoons. Um 
that this is done in that same style. It looks neat. Looks like a fun little platformer and everything. Yeah. Uh, would be great for kids. Does Donald just hang on the corner instead of healing you? <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of, like, this looks like the gameplay looks different. Like, I mean, it's still side-scrolling, but the gameplay looks different. But I kind of wonder if this is also kind of going on the heels of Cuphead just because they are, because that new style they're using is also itself, like, draws from kind of the older 1930s. Yeah. Yeah, I could see. I've not been up to date on new Mickey Mouse cartoons, so I thought it was old style. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the, they've done a whole series of cartoons and even, like, um, the new attraction at, uh, at, what is it? Hollywood Studios mm-hmm. is done in this style and everything. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, the cartoons are good. They're like very cute and very like when I first saw the style, I was like, I don't know about that. But they're <laughs> actually like quite entertaining and charming little cartoons. But they also like Matt will also do like slightly more risque and edgy humor at times. Like, yeah. yeah. Like he will be kind of creepy at times. I mean, have you seen the old cartoons? I <laughs> I think those were cre- could you know they could be creepy in those too. I, I agree. That's a good point. But I don't know if the animators were conscious of how creepy they were acting at times. I show my students in one of the classes um, the old cartoon of Mickey Donald and Goofy being ghost hunters. Oh and yeah, it's it's Mickey Mouse walking around with like a double barrel shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and I think Donald has an axe or Goofy has an axe, and you're just watching it going. This is weird. It, like, they would never make this cartoon today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This reminds me. So I have a family friend who, I don't know why, why this was their music of choice. I, uh, But, like, they were listening to uh, music by Looney Tunes characters. And one was Elmer Fudd rapping. And oh at my one gosh, point, I think I remember that. <laughs> he talks about um, using his gun to blast someone's head off. And it's just like... Okay, and then they were like, "Well, he's a hunter." I'm like, "Yeah, that's still a weird thing to hear him rap about, though." Well, it's like you watch Wizard of Oz and Scarecrow has a gun. I re- I remember that. It's like what? And it, and it's not like super like obvious. Like you have to pay attention to like what he's holding. Like and then I'm like, just like, wait, what? I mean, it's not super obvious, but it's also not super hidden. No, I know. You know? It's not hidden. <laughs> it was just something I didn't notice for like a while, and then I actually paid attention. To, like, well, what's he hold? Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so. crazy. Along those lines, there was uh, Donald and Goofy singing Simple and Clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is a YouTuber oh, um, called ProZD. Uh, he's also a voice actor for a lot uh-huh. of stuff, uh, Sungwin Cho. Um, and he does multiple, like, videos. I think I shared one of these with y'all uh-huh. of, like, Goofy. Like, I think I said, yeah, I shared I think, you know, oh, yeah, Goofy yeah, was, singing I, I was Simple and Clean. Sent, sent it to me, yeah. And, like, he's done other ones, too. I think like, I remember that, yeah. Uh, Goofy singing Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. <laughs> and uh, singing Cruel Angel Thesis, the theme song from Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> oh, man. Nobody um, does new metal like Goofy. <laughs> they also showed off uh, a new game, Harmony, The Fall of Reverie, um, which is a very sort of story-driven uh, kind of adventure game. Uh, they showed off a remake of We Love Katamari. We Love Katamari Reroll plus Royal Reverie. Royal Reverie, I think, is maybe a PSP game that they're including into this. I, I, I don't know the distinction of those. They made so many Katamari games, they kind of blend together for me after a while. 
You know, I've never played one, but I've always like wanted to, but never enough to go out and get it. But I might do it with this. Same. <laughs> These uh, remakes they made the other remake. Um, I like the Katamari games. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that you need to own multiple Katamari games, <laughs> <laughs> but like to play mm -hmm. through one is a good experience because mm -hmm. they're very unique, fun games. I always see ads for for games on the phone that are kind of like a opposite one, where it's like. You're controlling a hole in the ground, and you have to get stuff, and then the hole gets bigger and bigger as you go through. So um, Donut, what is that game called? Uh, it's not Donut Island. What is that? It's Donut is in the title. Mm -hmm. um, that game is fantastic. Mm -hmm. that, those may not be what you're seeing, but, mm -hmm. like, the one that has Donut in the title, and I, I need to look it up. Mm -hmm. um, but I am trying to also do this at the same time. <laughs> but um, that game is fantastic, and it has a great story to it, and it has this raccoon character who's just a, a total, like, horrible human... Total horrible character. Yeah, I was saying, it can't be a horrible human being if it's a raccoon. Right. Um, it can be a horrible trash panda. Well, I'll look it up later. But, like, anyways, great game, completely worth playing. Okay. Um, let's see. They showed off. I just thought this was interesting. This is going to be a free to play game called Omega Strikers, which is basically a three on three air hockey game. Hmm. And so you have three players on each side, but you look like you're standing on a giant air hockey table and you're knocking hmm. a puck around hmm. and everything. It looked fun. I mean, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Since this is a free to play online multiplayer game, I don't know how much I'll actually play of it, hmm. but uh, just the look of it. Looked really cool, and it seems like the sort of game they could actually make a local co-op version of and would probably do quite well. Um, let's see. Eternia Odyssey Origins Collection and uh, Baton Kados 1 and 2. So two uh, ports of old games coming to the Switch. Um, they announced Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Count is coming out basically a year after it was originally right. supposed to. <laughs> the war in Ukraine, uh, they never officially announced this, but the game was delayed due to the war in Ukraine mm -hmm. because it is a game about using tanks to invade cities. Mm -hmm. And so they delayed it, and it looked like one of those games where they just didn't know what to do with it, and they might not ever release it. It is finally coming out about a year after it was originally supposed to in April, uh, so those games are really good. If you've never played one of those before, uh, they're quite fun little strategy games. Um, so Alicia, they showed off more of Kirby's return to dreamland deluxe. I am so excited. <laughs> and most excitedly about this, I think was that there's an entirely new epilogue that they're adding to the game. And, um, I should say, I actually downloaded the demo of this and played it. So I haven't gotten to play it yet. I'm. I didn't put that into my list of what I played this week. I did download and play uh, a couple of levels. I don't know how big the full demo is. It also has mini games in it, mm -hmm. and, um, and so I did play some of those. Those mini games are look like they'd be quite fun mm -hmm. with a group of people, um, and the game itself is very pretty on the Switch. Um, I never played it on the original Wii version, but I know it didn't look this good on the Wii <laughs> just looking at it. Well, and, so I'm curious, and they might have this in the full release and not the demo, but do they have a way to turn off the cel-shaded artwork? Uh, I did not go through the options. That's fair. So it, <laughs> it wasn't presented to me as okay. an option on booting it up. 
Because that the the two concerns that I saw a lot of was like this game's already perfect on the Wii, <laughs> so how are like why are we gonna pay sixty dollars for it again? And people not being a fan of the cell shading, <laughs> and so they've absolutely addressed concern number one with adding this Megalore epilogue. And honestly, I I don't expect them to have a way to turn off cell shaded. I think that that's just something so. people are going to have to live with, mm-hmm. but I just was curious. <laughs> it, it's a good looking game. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited for a 2d uh, Kirby game releasing today on the switch. This is about as good looking as you can mm-hmm. hope for it to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. Is, is my reaction. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I enjoyed it. What I played of it, it, it feels like a good Kirby game. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. If you want to play even more Kirby, you can play Kirby's first adventure as Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games are coming to Nintendo Switch Online. So you can play old Game Boy games if you just have the base layer $20 subscription. If you upgrade to the $50 subscription, that already gets you all the extra stuff like Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis games. Uh, That will also now get you Game Boy Advance games. They wrote out a bunch of games with this. Um, Some very obvious ones like Tetris. and Weirdly, they did Super Mario Land 2, but not Super Mario Land. (laughs) That's a choice. Well, Super Mario (laughs) Land 2 is a more traditional-feeling Mario Mm -hmm. game, so maybe that's the reason they did. But I love Super Mario Land (laughs) 1 simply because it does feel like the weird, like, you know, stepchild of the like his Mario <laughs> franchise. Yeah, that's the charm of it. It's it's yeah. I'm amazed that they didn't do the Gen One and Gen Two mm-hmm. Pokemon games though. Yeah. Like that to me I'm like you know, I I would I have this. I have the baseline Nintendo Switch online. I'm like I if I didn't have that, I would get that in a heartbeat to be able to play mm-hmm. blue version and yellow version mm-hmm. again. Yeah and you know, what I've read about that has been some people saying, uh, why would you, why do they want to give this to you when they want you to buy Scarlet and Violet or yeah. whatever new Pokemon product they're going to put out? But it could also be, right? We're going to sit on this. Well, and, and the there same- should be a Pokemon Day coming mm-hmm. up fairly soon, mm-hmm. so people are thinking they're waiting until then. Mm-hmm. I mean... This is going to probably get some new people to subscribe. So what you do is you wait on this mm-hmm. until people are coming up for resubscription, and you go, oh, by mm-hmm. the way, guess what we're putting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And That makes sense. Like makes me sad, but it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, though, because I think if you put those classic Gen 1 Pokemon games mm-hmm. on here, I feel like you would get a, an avalanche of subscribers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there are other ways to play these games. Obviously, these games can be emulated on phones today, on basically any computer you buy can emulate these old Game Boy games. Uh, but it's really cool having them here. It's really cool having all Nintendo's back catalog, or as much as humanly possible, on one platform that you can play. And so, like, credit to Nintendo for finally rolling this out. I hope that whenever they put out their Switch 2 or whatever this successor is there's no like this all just ports over like you should just you know all these games should be ready to play there day one mm-hmm. um but yeah that works pretty well i did play uh, a couple of games on the game boy uh, i do not have the higher tier so i did not mm-hmm. play any of that 
I wonder if, like, because they've done the Game Boy Advance, I wonder if this means more hope for Mother 3 happening. Maybe. That would be a, a, a really smart thing to put out. Just yeah. Yeah. onto that, you know, announce, hey, we're putting that out. That would get a lot of people to subscribe. I w- if I weren't already subscribed, I would for that. Um, let's see. We already talked about uh, Metroid Prime Remaster. That was probably the biggest first-party new announcement that they yeah. made. Um, so that's really cool. Again, worth checking out. They showed off a new Professor Layton game. Uh, which has been very much in demand for a <laughs> when, while. When yeah. I tell you, I saw that, and like I saw the the opening artwork, and I was like, "This looks a little like Layton. I wonder what this is." And then they showed Layton himself. One of my friends was doing homework at my house at the same time, and she had her headphones on. I literally gasped, screamed, covered my mouth ran over and hugged her, and she had no idea what was going on. <laughs> it has been 15 doggone years. I like that you're traumatizing your friends. With your <laughs> she was like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm better than okay. And then one of my online friends like, got a bunch of us into Layton, and so... I immediately jumped on that Discord. I was like, is anyone watching the Nintendo Direct right now? We need Katsuoka's reaction to this right now. Because <laughs> she had just said, like, two days prior, mm-hmm. she was like, I'm kind of in the mood for Layton again. Let's play some Layton this week. <laughs> um, the last thing that they showed was a new trailer for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I guess the bigger news that came out after the show is that that game is going to be $70. So this is <sighs> Nintendo has announced that they're going to do this on a case by case basis, and their first case is this new Legend of Zelda game. I'll I pay guess, it, but I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> where's my hammer and sickle? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think everybody knew this was inevitable. Yeah, yeah. obviously, everyone else is doing this. Sony and Microsoft mm-hmm. are doing this. Of course, Nintendo was going to do it eventually as well. Uh, of course, this is a really smart release to do it with mm-hmm. because the people who are going to buy this are going to buy it regardless mm-hmm. if you charge them $10 more. Yeah. And then it sets the precedent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can already see that the next Pokemon game, the next Mario game, all those major franchises are going to be at $70. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to hug my darling little indie games. <laughs> <laughs> If they make the next Mario game, like the SNL sketch, uh, then I'm, I'm good with it. I'll pay 70 for it. I would pay $70 for Peter yeah. Pascal Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they can do this because the Switch is now the third best-selling console mm. ever. Damn. Behind only mm. the DS and the PlayStation 2. Um, it will probably very likely catch the PlayStation 2 it is unlikely to catch the DS in its lifetime which is kind of just amazing when you think about that, how popular the Switch is yeah. that blows my mind that I just I can't even fathom it catching the PS2 because <laughs> right. the PS2 was so big well you know we have three in our house and it's the first console I've ever had that we've had like multiple of we have three in my household me Josh and Kyle all have our own um, and it's a full console, but also like we do it because we can, we have different save slots on it and stuff, yeah. uh, and different, different games that we play. Um, and like, you can't have the same, you can't have an animal crossing Island for each person on one switch. Right. Uh, it's limited. So, you know, stuff like that. So it's, 
And it's worth it. We all because we all play different games at different times, and so it's mm-hmm. it's definitely worth it. Um, but yeah, I I haven't seen a lot of consoles where it's good to have multiples in the house, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the genius mm-hmm. of the design of the Switch, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it is both a home console and mm-hmm. it is a uh, a handheld portable mm-hmm. console, and that means that. You know, certainly if you have multiple people living in your house, mm-hmm. you and your significant other um, might want to have separate mm-hmm. systems. And mm-hmm. if you have kids, right, you mm-hmm. can imagine kids needing more than one because one of them's playing it portable mm-hmm. and the other one needs one too. And yep. so I think there's a lot of homes that end up with a switch and then a switch light. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's two already. And yeah. I mean, how often outside of, people who are really diehard into video games, mm-hmm. how often do most households have more than one of a console? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, yours is not the only house I've heard mm-hmm. of having this. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, but it is amazing because, like, you're right, the PS2 was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everyone had a PlayStation mm-hmm. 2. And, um, you know, and it, one thing that continues to amaze me is how much bigger of a market video games is today. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that's a big part of it. And, and certainly yeah. the pandemic helped with the sales of the switch or everybody went out and bought one, but the video game market is just so much bigger, so much broader. There's mm-hmm. so many more people buying video games today. Um, and because of that, you just have more people to sell it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Along with the, that announcement of the sales of the Switch that puts it up into third place now, they also announced that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet has passed 20 million copies. Now, that's combined mm-hmm. with both, yeah. both games, mm-hmm. but still, 20 million. Yeah. Um, it is only a couple million or so behind um, what Sword and Shield, mm-hmm. which you know has like a four-year head start. Yeah. <laughs> They're better games yeah. than Sword and Shield. <laughs> yeah, and again, we have two copies because we have one Scarlet and one Violet that Josh and Kyle. Yeah. Yep. What a, a genius move that was yeah. right from the start with right. Pokemon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Version exclusive. Well, and there's a there's a fantastic video by Did You Know Gaming on YouTube mm-hmm. where they break down like in Gen One they actually wanted to make every single copy of that game unique. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it just yeah. wasn't technically right. possible. So oh. they had to settle for making two versions. I think I remember seeing that. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I have the, this corrected my uh, my writing I was here. wondering about that. <laughs> From Splatoon to Platoon 3. <laughs> so there, there actually was a Platoon game for the NES, mm-hmm. bizarrely. <laughs> based on the movie? Yeah, wow. based on the movie. Um but there, this is about Splatoon 3, not <laughs> Platoon 3. Though, hey, make a Platoon 3. I will play that. Is there a Platoon 2? Um, so, no, they're just going to skip it. <laughs> it's, one of the, it's one of those types. Uh, but Splatoon 3 has passed 10 million copies already, uh, which is, you know, pretty big for that franchise. That franchise, as we talked about previously, just continues to grow. Each mm-hmm. new Splatoon game is bigger than the last. Mm-hmm. Um when they get ready to launch a new Switch 2 or whatever it's going to be called, I would almost guarantee there will be a Splatoon 4 there at launch. Mm -hmm. It has almost become their Call of Duty franchise. We're going to just release a new one of these every few years, and they don't have to be all that different because you people love them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, and Nintendo Switch Sports, I thought this one's interesting. Nintendo Switch Sports has sold 8.6 million copies. And the reason I think that's interesting is that's a lot of copies for a game that no one talks about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that is putting it up there above some other big heavy hitters of the Nintendo Switch library. And nobody talks about that game. Like people talked about it before it came out and then it came out and it feels like nobody ever spoke of it ever again. Yeah, we have it and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think probably a lot of people got Wii sports and then they bought this and maybe they didn't even play it. They're like, Oh, I'll play this. It'll be great. Or they played it once and was like, Oh, it's not kind of the same. And then just like put it to the side. I think people bought it for parties. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's what Wii sports eventually became. You only mm-hmm. played it when people were over and mm-hmm. they probably bought this with the same mindset oh when people mm-hmm. come over we'll play this yeah. but it's not something i'm going to play every day yeah yeah like that appeal has worn off mm-hmm. of the franchise so um let's see there was an announcement that De- detective pikachu 2 is still in the works this is mm-hmm. the film not mm-hmm. the game this is the film detective pikachu 2 is still in the works mm-hmm. which is okay both sort mm-hmm. of surprising and not because like it's not surprising because that first film was a pretty big hit, mm-hmm. and so it made sense they'd make a sequel. But then they've done nothing yeah. <laughs> with it. I, so. I feel like the first one really works as a standalone. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what they would do with Detective Pikachu two. Yeah. But money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm I'm down to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm just confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know how much we want to get into this. Um, Hogwarts Legacy came out this past week. Um, it, it has received very positive reviews from the sites that d- did review it. Mostly those have been extremely positive. Uh, the main thing that I, I think is kind of interesting with this, we've talked about certainly J.K. Rowling and her uh, anti-trans comments and all of that. Um and so I don't know that we need to re-go over that again. But this has really blown up into a sort of ugly, um, you know, uh, inflection point in the game industry, uh, sort of pitting uh, people against one another in in lots of ways that I think have are not healthy and, and not uh, very good for the industry mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, so some people chose to play this game. Some people chose not to play it. Some people in the uh, video game journalism arena have chosen to cover this game, while others have said, we are not covering it. Entire mm-hmm. sites have said, we're just not going to talk about this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think both of those are, are valid choices. This is my opinion. This doesn't be anyone else's. Um, but I think both of those are valid opinions. I see the reasoning behind both of them. You know, Even if it's a controversial game, maybe you still cover it. Uh, the content that's controversial isn't so much the game itself, but the person behind the game. So I understand that makes it slightly different and people are going to come out with different feelings, but there's been a lot of attacks directed towards both sides Mm -hmm. over their reactions to this in ways that have, I guess, surprised me because, you know, the idea that people were going to choose different paths. I'm going to play this game. I'm not going to play this game. You know, I expected that. Um, I'm not in any real desire to play this game. Um, And, you know, that's a personal choice. Again, I don't look down on anybody who does want to play it. Um, But 
I'm also not attacking anybody who chooses to play it. And I'm not angry at them. And I'm also like, I would think it would be really weird if somebody attacked me for not playing it. <laughs> and I guess that's the sort of controversy and ugliness that I've, I noticed from this that really caught me off guard, surprised me to see mm. happening. I've, 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 I've been in circles where I've seen this coming to a point. Um, and so I was, I was kind of expecting stuff like this to happen um, as I go through. Um, there, there's a few things about it too. As Harry Potter, the the whole series by itself, the this thing come with J.K. Rowling has been doubly hurtful to many trans people because a lot of trans people really resonated with the Harry Potter series as it was coming through, right? Having to hide yourself and not be what you are in front of your parents, mm-hmm. right? A lot of LGBTQ people and especially a lot of trans people. Um, and then when all of this stuff with J.K. Rowling happened and she became more and more outspoken with her views that were anti-trans, um, a lot of trans people were, like, doubly hurt at that part. Not just because it was happening in, out in, in, like, in, in the world, but because it was something they held so close to themselves. They felt betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so along those lines, the only people that I know of who actually bought and are playing it are transgender people. Um, I mean, I don't know everybody that I know and whether they bought it and played it or not. But because that memory and the, the Harry Potter just helped them through so much of their life, mm-hmm. they're able to separate JK from the Harry Potter games, right? Mm-hmm. Death of the Author and all that, right? Because it means a different thing to them. Um, and uh, But, like, I, I knew multiple pe- trans people that had, like, Harry Potter tattoos and especially the what's it called the triangle the to deathly hollows yeah the deathly hollows um like I, and I'm talking like nine or ten trans people I knew that had those tattoos some of them have gotten them removed because of everything that's happening with it and some of them are still sticking with it because it means a lot to them right right, right. and so what what I would like to say to people is I'm not going to tell you I, I'm not going to buy it uh, I'm not going to tell you whether or not to buy it but Buying it puts something out into the world. And even if you don't support J.K. Rowling and her views, she sees it as supporting her if you buy it. So if you're going to buy and play this game, um, like I can't stop you, but I would also say, hey, donate some money to a transgender organization. Mm -hmm. The same amount, or if you can afford it, twice the amount, right? There's Trans Lifeline, um, the amount of trans people that are having some type of... um, uh, like uh, crisis right now because of this is increasing. So services like Trans Lifeline are going to be getting more calls. So help them with that. If you're you're buying this, you're putting stuff out to the world. Also put stuff out into the world that is pro-trans people. And that would be what I would say to people. If I can add to that too, because I also think one of the things that I haven't seen talked a lot about mm-hmm. is really the anti-Semitism in the game. Mm-hmm. With, you know, the way that J.K. wrote the goblins, it's mm-hmm. very coded with the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. And now it's, okay, the evil, greedy goblins and are trying to mm-hmm. take out the pure blood wizards. Mm-hmm. And it's just all a little icky. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot icky. Right. Um, so I would say, too, like, that would be another thing to keep in mind supporting mm-hmm. 
I think I struggle with this a lot because similarly, like Harry Potter was so important to me growing up. Mm-hmm. And like, I've lost interest in this game from mm-hmm. the anti-Semitism and from the very, you know, one of the things that I saw a news article about was, oh, there's a trans character. Well, mm-hmm. there's a trans character who's there for like three minutes, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> and right. that, And it feels very much like... It's like they, a Disney film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have it's a like, gay character now in the background. We had our yeah. fifth first gay character, everybody. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, it, it feels very much like they put that in because they were like, okay, we know everyone's going to think J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. anti-trans, so let's throw mm-hmm. a trans character in to mm-hmm. combat that. Right. Um, I also don't think it's okay to be attacking people who are choosing to do it you know we talked about this a little bit earlier where like as a performer i don't have to disclose i don't have to disclose everything about who i am to Mm -hmm. my audience i think similarly you know people should should be able to make that choice you know oj you brought up people who have kept those tattoos Mm -hmm. because they're choosing to go with death of the author Mm -hmm. i just Everything around this. I'm not surprised by the ugliness because I have, like, I've been in Twitch streams where the streamer gets hate rated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Mm -hmm. I've seen the kind of crap that, you know, even I tend to stick to pretty wholesome Twitch streams. So Mm -hmm. I want to be all like, Twitch doesn't have that. (laughs) Twitch totally has that. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I'm not shocked by it Mm -hmm. but i'm still saddened by it Mm -hmm. and you know i know we all we all learned it when we were five you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all you you don't want these people to be streaming hogwarts legacy then don't watch their stream Mm -hmm. their viewer count will go down they'll Mm -hmm. stream something else to get their viewer count back up yeah um and this is this is a big issue of and uh an item that's not black or white at all Oh my gosh. But everyone yeah. is treating it like it's black or white. But yeah. there's yeah. a lot of that area in the middle, and a lot of people are getting hurt there. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting when you talk about that the people you know who are playing it are trans people, mm-hmm. and right. they're playing it not for any sort of political point, mm-hmm. but because this this story means so much to them. Yeah. And I have a friend who actually teaches a course on Harry Potter and she and I were talking about it. And one of the things I said to her was, I don't remember anyone poisoning the well quite the way that JK Rowling has done. So, Mm -hmm. and that when I look at Harry Potter now, it's like she walked into the center of town and poured poison into the well. Mm -hmm. And you have all these people who are like, I live here. This is my entire life. And I, I can't leave. Mm-hmm. And you see the like pain that a lot of people go through. And like, and mm-hmm. certainly, you know, there are people that this means a lot for very, you know, um, very private or mm-hmm. sometimes very public struggles that they have gone through. But then you just have the people who were the, you know, the nerdy girl in school mm-hmm. who liked to read a lot. And yeah. in Hermione mm-hmm. saw somebody for the first mm-hmm. time. Hi, it's me. Right. <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of young women like you who very much saw, you know, or they had, you know, the curly kind of out of control hair and mm-hmm. in her. And so many people, you know, I, 
as as we've gotten older and taken a more critical look, it's like, yeah, okay, sure you didn't, you know, when Cursed Child first became a thing and they cast a black actress for Hermione and you had all the people like, oh, black mm-hmm. Hermione. And Rowling was like, yeah, I never wrote that she was white. Mm-hmm. Well, you look at how she writes the other characters that are confirmed people of color and it's like, yeah, you wrote her to be white. Right. But yeah. in spite of that, we st- people still had that association. Mm-hmm. You know, even if Rowling didn't write her that way, she didn't intend her that way, mm-hmm. people saw themselves in that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just so... And, and actually, when she said that, when I was reading it, I pictured Hermione as black. Um, and I, I I don't know where it came from. It might be the, the thing about her hair, mm-hmm. right? Because um, I grew up around mostly black people. Um, and, and so I think maybe that... I might have different views of, of other characters just because of like the diversity of the area where I grew up. Yeah. Right. Um, but then I wasn't, I was, wasn't surprised when they said that there was a black actress in the cursed child. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, the, you're right though. <laughs> the, yeah. Cho Chang. Yeah. Going back, <laughs> going back and seeing that. Yeah. It's definitely there. But at the same time, like, like you were saying, you know, there's that mm-hmm. death of the author. Yeah. You know, right. Yes. The way she wrote people of color was pretty problematic. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it doesn't mean something to mm-hmm. people who saw that character mm-hmm. as themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, I, something I want to add is um, a couple things. One, to people that are like on one side or the other, you know, and then OJ, you already said people are playing this as a black and white issue when mm-hmm. it's not. But people, like, they're saying, well, the death of the author, or it's like, no, you can't separate the author from the work. That itself is a much more complex and nuanced thing right. because yeah. mm-hmm. the author um, doesn't have control, complete control over their work after they put it out, mm-hmm. but they had a major role in it. Um, they had a major role in like reproductions of it. You know, even when we're talking about um, things were, that were made of by teams of people, not by an individual, like mm-hmm. the Harry Potter movies. But they had a role in it, and they are empowered when you buy that product, especially when the money goes back to them. Um, especially when they can look at it as something that. Uh, validates them like see people still buy my stuff they're still mm-hmm. interested in what i have to say mm-hmm. um and it's no and then yeah I, people have their own relationships with the things their own interpretations understandings like what jk rowling does doesn't take away how oj experienced those books mm-hmm. for example like when you when you talked about reading mm-hmm. hermione is black but um it's just that it, the idea of simply saying oh well the uh, we can just say screw the author mm-hmm. or you know uh, no, the author's completely attached to it. No, those are themselves, like, you're yeah. trying to force mm-hmm. a complex social situation into a binary that mm-hmm. doesn't actually, like, represent how that yep. works. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Two, uh, the other thing I wanted to have to say is, um, Alicia, you already brought up, like, one of the main things I wanted to say, like, that was, like, the anti-Semitism and how gross that is. Um, uh, th- this is what gets talked about, and so I've... I would do a trigger warning on this video, and I can't remember. It might have a trigger warning itself, but Jesse Gender, also called Jesse Earl, um, in some articles, uh, she was she's a trans woman who did say, "If you are buying this, you are supporting J.K. Rowling in some sense." And J.K. Rowling retweeted that and like got and Jesse Gender or Jesse Earl like um, got she got a huge amount of harassment for it, mm-hmm. um, and she recently did a three hour video that I. I think, you know, I, if long as a person can watch it and, you know, again, trigger warnings involved, like, um, goes into very in-depth in terms of how what J.K. Rowling did affected her, how what J.K. Rowling has done at large has affected trans folks, including 
a person who constantly, who often works with Jesse Gender on their content, talks about what it's like to be a trans woman who grew up needing Harry Potter and then now being scared of Harry Potter fans and now seeing mm. Harry Potter images associated with associated mm. with hate and how mm. traumatic that is. Mm -hmm. um, and also they do talk about the game itself and, like, what the team did, but also, like, where the team failed a lot. Like, they could have picked any other race to be, like, you know, and I mean, I, uh, that already there's problematic implications. They're, mm -hmm. like, picking a particular race of creatures, you know, that might stand in for any other race of people. You know, they're already, you're going into problems there, but you could have picked any group aside from specifically focusing on the goblins, which are so deeply tied to the anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. um, but they didn't. And that's not, mm -hmm. like, and granted... You say, we didn't know, and that's very possible because it's very possible that J.K. Rowling played with that imagery not knowing what she was doing. Because when you look at those anti-Semitic images, uh, those become so much more common than you well, realize. Well, that goes, that goes all the way back to Shakespeare, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, yeah. That's, yeah I, the yeah. Merchant of Venice. And yeah. Uh, all so, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, you know, it just any time I think you see any character with, like, a particular shaped nose and a particular mm -hmm. shaped head that's tied to that, like... Uh, uh, F.W. Murnau's Nosferatu, um, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and the Evil Queen and the form she takes. Uh, and I still see similar figures like that I, that people reproduce mm -hmm. without being aware of what they are doing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you're all, this is something that's drawing in, and I feel like I'm spiraling here, but the point is, look at this video. This covers things in such good depth, if you can. Um, and the third thing I want to say is, is that, you know, for people that want other spaces or want to find new things to, like, move out of this, there are other specific fantasy things that don't have the same toxicity. I'm not going to say that there's no toxicity mm -hmm. in the fan base, but that uh, have more compassionate, supporting creators um, and that have more compassionate, supportive representations since then. Like, so, for example, I know, I, I know I'm a huge Owl House fan. I know if you just had an opportunity, I can't bring that up. But this is a character. This is a show with a character with a main protagonist who is bisexual and Latinx, and um, there's representation beyond her. There's characters that are asexual. There's a character that is non-binary that uses they/them pronouns and is voiced by a trans masculine non-binary voice actor. And so there is representation in a way there, representation there in a way you won't get out of Harry Potter. Um, yeah. There is other fandoms now that you can go to. Um, so to anybody that's looking for a new thing to get into, I think one thing I would recommend is I'm not going to tell people you can't go to Harry Potter, but if you aren't already in love with it and into it, maybe look elsewhere because there's other things. I hope I made sense in my time. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, just to kind of reiterate, I think we want to be very, um, you know, I, I, I don't think it's helpful to yell at people. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think it's helpful to yell at people about the media they consume. Um, I, I think it's helpful sometimes, as as Ryan, you just did, you know, making suggestions. Here's some other things, you know, you can check out and everything. Uh, I think, OJ, your suggestion, which you've been suggesting for quite a while, I think mm -hmm. a, a trans friend of yours had suggested mm -hmm. that if you're going to buy this game, make a donation to a, 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 a charity, you know, nonprofit that supports uh, trans people in some form or fashion. Um, I, I think the thing is to be consciously aware when you consume media and then also how that might affect people, right? Like 
we we have a uh, we have a, a guest on this show on a regular basis who is a, a trans person, right? Um, she has talked about that openly on the show as how she interacts with games and stuff. And so I, I think the thing is to keep in mind how your consumption of media might affect those around you and just be aware of that so that even if you don't feel like you have a problem, be aware that other people, it, it mm-hmm. may be affecting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when and you do consume a piece of media, also be willing to critically engage with it. You can enjoy mm-hmm. something um, on the merits of what's good about it, but also be critically aware of what's mm-hmm. problematic about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are not being a bad fan or disloyal to something. Like, that's a, mm-hmm. a, a, a bad mm-hmm. mindset I don't want to take anyway. Mm-hmm. But, like, because um, I know there was, like, I remember reading an essay once about how, like, people on, like, fan forums for, like, Game of Thrones would get really defensive anytime somebody called out a problem with it. Sure. You can like something and still admit there are flaws mm-hmm. with it. Um, right. I like Steven Universe, mm-hmm. but there is flaws um, in how it, um, in the way they use the gems and times as allegories to talk about mm-hmm. uh, issues concerning race. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a, per- I love the show, but it is not a perfect show. Mm-hmm. And I can yeah. see that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're just about out of time. So let's wrap up with our big question. It's Super Bowl weekend. If you could have any uh, video game character play the Super Bowl halftime show. Who would you want to play the Super Bowl halftime show? Alicia, which video game character is going to play your dream Super Bowl halftime show? I think it's got to be the rock band characters. You got so much variety there of, <laughs> of music that they can go to with that. <laughs> that that's, a, that's a good, uh, obvious, but like not obvious choice. <laughs> I was going to say Guitar Hero <laughs> characters at first, because the first Guitar Hero, remember, had like actual characters for all the guitarists, mm-hmm. but then right. I couldn't remember any of them. So I'm, And Rock Band gives you the drummer, gives you the singer. Right. It gives you a full band. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. So Rock Band characters. Uh, Ryan, how about you? Um, Alicia, that is not the answer I expected from you. <laughs> I expected Jigglypuff. <laughs> um, that was one Everybody of my Everybody goes to sleep. Yep. <laughs> I'm already sleeping through it anyway. <laughs> There's my controversial statement. Um, I, uh, I guess my answer I got to was the DK crew. Mm-hmm. They did the DK rap at the beginning of DK64. They all have their own instruments. Um, so... Uh, that that was mine. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, actually, I'll pick Jig. I'll, I'll pick Jigglypuff. <laughs> I, I like Jigglypuff more. Uh, OJ. So I'm going to say Celeste, and I want a full reenactment of the opera, the whole opera section of Final Fantasy. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, there you go. So, there's so, a good answer. So then we're going to have Celeste there singing. Oh, my hero so far away now. And then eventually Ultros is going to fall from the ceiling <laughs> and people Everything come out and fight Everything will devolve into him. chaos. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, a giant squid at the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe bigger than Left Shark. Yeah, yeah. That's. I was actually thinking Left, left <laughs> Tentacle. <laughs> right? Uh, and, um, yeah, so I'm. That's that's what I would like to see. Well, I went with Parappa the Rapper. I had a feeling somebody was going to do that one. Um, I actually did not have that when I came up with the question. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was like, well, who's like actually a musically talented character from a video game? I was like, oh, it's Parappa. Parappa's the right answer here. <laughs> um, so I love Parappa. Uh, 
you know, they should definitely make new games featuring Parappa. <laughs> but regardless if they ever do that or not, I want Parappa playing the Super Bowl. I would tune in. I would watch mm. that, and I would be, you know, you know, punching and kicking and everything right in tune with him. So uh, hopefully, maybe one day that can happen. Um, all right, that does it for this week's show. Thank you for everyone tuning in. Um, as always, thank you, OJ, Ryan, and Alicia uh, for joining me. Um, you can find more of our content and everything, including all of our Game of the Year coverage list and that sort of stuff at salukigames.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening.